Hello, and welcome to another episode of Credit Eco to Go, curbside thought leadership for financial services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at Clark Hill, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice group. Today, I'm joined by Mike Cassidy, who is the managing partner at Maxwell Graves Solutions, a consulting firm with expertise delivering world-class operational performance and execution in the financial lending space. Mike has spent over 17 years in executive and leadership positions within the financial services industry. Prior to co-founding, excuse me, prior to co-founding MNG, Mike was responsible for building and leading collections and recovery at Prosper Marketplace. Mike, such a pleasure to have you join me today on Credit Eco to Go. Thank you for being on the podcast. No, thank you for having me. Mike, tell me a little bit about Maxwell and Graves and why it is so unique. I know in our conversations, what I really love about it is its holistic, or we'll say credit ecosystem approach to financial services. Yeah, I mean, at, at the heart of of what we what we do and what we are, you know, is is not all that new. You know, we're we're a consulting uh, firm and we work in the financial services space. But when when coming up with this idea, you know, my my partners and I really leveraged our our own experience working uh, on the fintech side, having been at larger banks, and we really thought there was an opportunity to to really offer something that was more than just your standard um, assessment and playbook and, and you just hand it off. And, and what we, what we do at Maxwell and Graves is, is we kind of put all that together. So we're focusing on companies that, that, that are in that growth mode. So the FinTech space is a, is a great example of it where they don't have the bench strength of experience to certainly in servicing and collections and, what we offer them is not just, hey, let us look at your environment, let us give an assessment. That that's of course part of it, but we offer jumping in and helping them implement it. And I think that's what really makes it unique is having the experience to to leverage and to assess and give recommendations, but really be another set of hands. You know, at at a smaller company, uh, that's that's just of of really significant value. So. We, we try to make it more of a hands-on approach. We leverage our experience and really go beyond just the playbook. You know, it's interesting. Why has it been so difficult for fintechs to understand the credit ecosystem? I, I see it a lot, but I, I'm interested in your perspective about that. Yeah, I mean, it, I'll first say the, the industry has evolved and matured over the years for sure. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, you know, in, in the area that, that we're focused on, you know, call it the post-origination or servicing side of it, mm-hmm. uh, for the most, or generally speaking, it, it's kind of been an afterthought. And I think that's a product of, of just the maturity of the space. Um, so it has been around for more than a couple of years now, for sure. But when you're building out a company, you're building out, a, you know, a, a new loan product, it, it's all about growth. So, so you're focused on the front end, the experience, where you're going to source customers, how quickly can they get through the, uh, the underwriting. And, and, and then on the back end, you know those loans originate. You have to start thinking about it, but you know, you, you've got to get the book to a certain size. So I think what, what happens is uh, it becomes almost a, a secondary or an afterthought. Uh, 
and again, it's not because they're not aware. It's just, it's just a product of, of where they are in the life cycle. So I, I think that probably drives a little bit more of it. Um, and then for a lot of the lenders, they're just, they're just different. So not being a standard balance sheet lender, they'll have other complexities with bank partnerships uh, that they have to navigate uh, through. And I'm sure there's been some very interesting aha moments. I mean, I know in speaking with fintechs, um, especially about the debt collection space, mm -hmm. so what do you mean you can't do that? Uh, why can't I call them whenever I want to call them? Why can't I send them this type of letter? Um, I, I know one company in particular that you and I both know, I mean, he was just amazed at, you know, why were servicers and people on the back end getting sued all the time. He, he was just appalled by that. That was not something when he started the, his company that he expected. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of those aha moments as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think at the, I think you get there uh, by, by really the desire to do the right thing, right? So when you look at some of these uh, some of these new products in the fintech lenders, you know, they, they are trying to uh, do something different and they're trying to be consumer friendly. Uh, but at the core of it, for the most part, it's still a loan product. And in many cases on the back end, it's still a very traditional loan product, which has uh, the complexity that, 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 that we're aware, that we're, we're very much aware of, but, but they may not be. And I think when you get into, you know, the dialing, the uh, modifications is, is one that's coming up right now for obvious reasons. You know, right. The, right. the significant complexity of a modification, even moving away from the, the actual loan structure, can you offer it? How many can you offer? What kind of length? You get into the consumer side of it, it's, you know, how consistently are you offering it? Do you, are you making sure that you're getting it out to, uh, in a fair and, and, and equitable way? And, and I think, I think those, that side of it often uh, not surprises companies, but I think, I think that's where it's, hey, I want to do right by the consumer, but you have to do right by the consumer uh, in a very safe and, and structured way, or you could have you know, a, a downstream impact, which, which they're probably innocently not thinking about up front. Exactly. I mean, did you, or any of your clients, um, they even have a hardship program in place or understand what a modification was prior to March? Yeah, I, it's it's tough, right? I mean, um, again, in my in my own experience, having having worked at a at fintech lender as well, I mean, there's there's there is more complexity in in building and rolling out a hardship program or a loan modification, right. uh, and I I think companies are at are at various stages of that life cycle. I think everyone was was forced into it to a degree with with you know what happened four months ago, but. Uh, I would say I would say the companies are still at the ones we're working with. Uh, they're still at uh, very different levels as far as the maturity of their modification program. And I think to, to the point you made, I think that's it. Just it wasn't that it was unknown. It was it was on a roadmap in many cases because of complexity or because of other priorities to make sure the front end was going and the book was still going to perform. It, they just weren't prepared. And I think this, this unfortunately caught a lot of companies off, off guard. And now it's not just the initial loan modification, which I think a lot of companies were able to, most were able to implement, but now there's the whole backside of it, which is, you know, what happens after that first modification, you know, your one to three month deferment period is up. 
Uh, and, and you're seeing a lot of companies that we're working with who are trying to just right now trying to figure out what's the next offering. Is it a graduated payment back up to your full payment? Is it another deferment? Uh, what, is it, what does the outreach look like now? So I, I think there's, and that's not just FinTech, that's, that's all lenders right now, but it really is just a, a primary focus right now. Um, unfortunately for some of the lenders, um, they're, they're, they're just not prepared for it. I agree with that. And, and it kind of segues into, into my last question. And, and, you know, clearly when talking with your clients now, how are they handling the crisis? And, you know, you, you've addressed their concerns, but how do you think they're all going to pivot? Because they're going to have to. It, this is going to be a different world yes. for the next maybe year. Uh, and certainly not something that they plan for. What's the feedback that you're getting? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think you, you could talk to a room full of creditors and they're going to have a, a very similar list of priorities right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's certainly, a, it's not all about, but it's loan modifications uh, is, is going to be a big one. It's what does, what does, you know, the, the initial one to three month deferment isn't, it's, it's already surpassed, right? Most are ending now in July. Uh, so it really, it's going to take a, a different way of thinking that it's not a, all right, put a bandaid on it, offer another one to three month. Um, there's enough un uncertainty that I think the companies we're working with are looking at the next one being a, a more extended program. So something that is, you know, a, a graduated return to your full payment, um, something that, that can carry through the uncertainty period, which is going to be now through, let, let's just call it through, through Q1, maybe Q2. Where, where we're just not sure. Uh, so it's, it's definitely one part loan modification. The other one, which, which I, I firmly believe everyone, everyone is looking at is, is the, the whole contact strategy. You know, dialing is, was already getting beat up over the years um, for tons of reasons, uh, but now it's, it's gonna be even harder. We have a, a significant population that, that are in a situation financially that, that maybe they've never been in before. Uh, so you have, people who, who are actually reaching out, which is great, and want to talk to their creditor, creditor, get a hardship, find a solution. And then you've got another population that, that just cannot pay. So trying to navigate, how do you contact? What's the best channel? Is it, is it digital? Is it traditional calling? You know, how do you get your message out there? And how do you really engage with that consumer? So those two things, they, they, the hardship or the offering, we'll call it, and the outreach are just going to be two critical, critical parts for, for creditors right now. Such important information, Mike. Thank you so much. I think uh, a lot of people are going to be looking for this, and we don't know the answer. Uh, I think it's um, if we, we still see rising, uh, unfortunately, COVID cases, that, that will impact how we contact people as well. So to a lot of moving parts. Uh, but thank you so much for your insight. Uh, really terrific. Uh, Mike, on the show, we, we asked two questions of our guests. We're not going to let you get away so easy. Um, so in keeping with our to-go theme, um, we ask all our guests about their favorite takeout experiences while they've been sheltering in place. And I hope you can uh, share an experience with us today. Yeah, so, so I, I live here in New Jersey. Uh, we're originally from New Jersey, but we, we, we lived away for, for quite some time. And most recently we lived in the Bay area. Um, 
And so about six years ago, I decided to, to uh, move to the gluten-free uh, diet. And uh, now we're living in this really quiet South Jersey uh, area where I think I'm one of a, a very, very small population of folks who are gluten-free. And this became even more apparent when everything moved to go. Uh, and one of our first times calling uh, our favorite little Italian restaurant here, I started reading off our, our order. And as soon as I, I gave my gluten-free pasta, uh, they were like, is this Mike and Jess? Like, oh, yeah, it is. So I, I, I've become very, uh, very much aware that I'm, I'm part of a very small population here. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm sure they appreciate it, though. Look, they're happy that you're calling in and uh, still uh, patronizing their uh, business. So that's a great story. Um, Mike, in consideration uh, of your time and joining us today on Credit Eco to Go, we would like to make a small donation on your behalf to a local food bank or a charity in your area that maybe is helping displaced workers uh, who you know either lost their job or their salaries have been cut back because of the shutdown. And do you have an organization that you'd like to identify? Yeah, and this this is such a great part of, of what you're doing. So I certainly appreciate it. Um, so we we do uh, uh, we do have one here, the Food Bank of South Jersey. Uh, they're they're a great uh, they're a great organization uh, focused. Uh, call it the central uh, and South Jersey down uh, population, but really just a great organization. That's great. And we were happy to help them. And that's an excellent choice. So uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you uh, all for listening to Credit Eco to Go. For more information about any of our podcasts and future podcasts, please go to my bio page at clarkhill.com or to my LinkedIn page. All episodes of Credit Eco to Go can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have ideas for future show topics, please email us at creditecotogo at clarkhill.com. Thank you, be well, and stay safe. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.